It's the Early Read, episode number eight, our Big Ten betting preview. Had Chris Moxley on to break down the conference. A lot of awesome conversation there going team by team through the conference. Big picture, college football playoff race, division races, win total, how we're looking to back these teams game to game, and even some game of the year conversation. A lot in there with Chris. Hope you all enjoy. It's the Early Read, episode number eight, our Big Ten betting preview. Welcome back to the Early Read, episode number eight, our Big Ten betting preview. Conference previews are rolling on here. And to do that, we brought on Chris Moxley, at Chris Moxley 19 on Twitter. Chris does work for Campus Duchanan and Better Network, does a ton of great stuff in the betting space and the college fantasy space. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. How's it going? Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me. I've listened to all the ones you've done so far, so I'm hoping that... uh we can hit on some maybe underrated edges in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I think the Big Ten, as I was going through the conference, I, I'm working on this thesis of the conference, and I want to know if you maybe agree and maybe we'll flesh it out over the next hour or so. I wonder if this year, with some of the changes going on with Wisconsin and obviously Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, there's, I feel like, a gap potentially widening between the Big Ten for lack of a better word, the haves and the have-nots, where maybe there's a drop-off coming for Illinois, Michigan State, teams that are maybe lacking behind the modern offense, and maybe this Big Ten bully ball is starting to really lose its sense of pride here, and the Big Ten is going to turn into, I don't want to say West Coast offensive style, but maybe moving more towards you need to start scoring 30-plus points a game to win You know these 10-6 grinds. If you're playing that way, you're probably going to lose to the upper echelon of the Big Ten. Chris, am I am I crazy? Am I not there yet? Is Obviously, UCLA and USC are coming too next year, but exactly. I feel like you, that could maybe be a theme this year. How do you see that before we dive into the teams? Yeah, no, I, I was thinking essentially the same thing, right? There's a top, clear top three of at the, the Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. There's a pretty beefy middle, and I, mm-hmm. I think you can, you can determine where you want to put like the edges on that, right? I think Michigan State is a borderline team. I think that they're sliding backwards as well, but Minnesota, Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska, like those teams exist in this very soft middle where any of those teams can win between like maybe five and nine games a year. And just, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me. And then there's the the clear take the paycheck teams, which which is like Northwestern, Rutgers, I don't want to say Maryland is one of those teams, but Maryland probably is one of those teams. But they are helped out by the uh, non-divisions moving forward. But still, it's a pretty clear have and then kind of have, depending on where you are and what your uh, Mm -hmm. program looks like and who your boosters are, and then clear, you're just getting the media rights money. I I wonder, and even Maryland, that's a team, though, they're almost like a – like an Ohio state light, like they, they can't punch above their weight. And we'll talk about them in a little yeah. bit, but that's a team that has skill position players that are going to be playing on Sundays and Wisconsin. They've well, I'm a Wisconsin grad. So I've been very in tune with what they've been doing this off season. I don't know if this is the year for Wisconsin, but they're clearly moving in a direction that 
these halves in the Big Ten are going in. They've realized that, yeah. listen, we're not going to win the we're not going to win Big Ten championships running the ball 45 times a game. It's not going to fly anymore, especially with the new incoming Pac-12 teams. They needed to start opening up this offense. And I, as a Wisconsin grad and a fan of the team, I like where the team is going. We'll talk about them, and maybe this isn't the year right away, but it's clear that there's a trend going in the Big Ten. And in Iowa, there are strict guidelines. I don't know if Brian Ferentz is the guy to really <laughs> unlock that, but look at who they brought in the portal. Cade McNamara is a clear upgrade. You know, you bring in Eric All as well at tight end. It's offense is starting to come in where I wonder, can these teams that are still trying to play you know, 1970s football, is that still going to fly? I feel like the Big Ten, and this is where you're going to start to see a serious change across the conference instead of just at the top. And speaking at the top, let's talk some Big Ten football. We have co-favorites in the Big Ten for the first time in a while, but I'm going to give the nod to Michigan first. They're, in my eyes, the favorite to win the Big Ten, but they're right there with Ohio State. But we'll start with the Wolverines. Win total 10 and a half. Shaded towards the over, you can find about minus 120, plus 165 to win the conference this year. And make sure to shop around for all these. I just pulled these from like a mix of FanDuel and DraftKings, whatever I was looking at as I was writing the notes. So this is just kind of consensus market price. But Michigan enters as the co-favorites with Ohio State. They bring back a ton on offense. J.J. McCarthy, of course, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards at running back. Wide receiver, I think, has been a question over the past few years. There isn't a game-breaker necessarily, but we do have Cornelius Johnson back at wide receiver. Loveland was a freshman last year. He's going to take over at tight end for Shoemaker. Offensive lines, both starting guards back. So this is going to be a loaded offense yet again. I would say they weren't overly explosive, but when they needed to be, they did. They can't. I was nervous before the Ohio State game last year, and I ended up eating crow for that take because they started oh, chucking yeah. the ball down the field, and it – they clearly were playing a little possum there throughout the year. The defense, probably the backbone of this team, though. The offense is obviously going to be a top 15 unit, top 20 unit. But the defense, to me, is where they really made their money's worth in the Big Ten. Last year, for the second straight year, were really lights out. Top five in yards per play. Top 15 in sacks. Top five in line yards. Absolutely nails across the board. They lose Mike Morris. But McGregor's a rising senior. They got Josiah Stewart from Coastal Carolina in the portal. So this is a loaded front. Secondary, Will John or uh, Antoine Walker was one who came on at the end of the year, converted cornerback. He really started to rise, um, especially in that Ohio State game. So this team is going to be nails. They got a lot of returning production. Chris, Michigan rightfully the favorites, or do you have some gripes about what this team could do after coming up short in two straight college football playoffs? No, I have. I have no reason to doubt that they're yep. a top four team in the country at minimum, probably top three or two. I think you can make the case for really any, any, anywhere among there. I mean, they're going to enter the season, in my opinion, favored in every game. Um, and I think that's true when we look at their, their schedule and, and that is books. True. yeah. So you got probably two toss ups, one with Penn state, one with Ohio state who Ohio state, like you said, is the co-favorite, but I, I mean, this team just pumps out talent at a at, like they're just such a great developmental program. Harbaugh has not recruited to the standard that I think Michigan should recruit to, um, and that's been true for the last four or five years. It's been top ten, top fifteen classes, and not top five classes. But it really hasn't seemed to matter. And how do you replace a guy like Nazai Smith? You just develop the next the next dude, and like you said, bringing in Josiah Stewart is. Um, I, I liked him a lot two years ago 
when he was at Coastal. I thought he would go to the draft last year, didn't. Uh, he's a little small, so I wonder what he's going to do this year. Uh, I mean, he's only like six one and a half, two thirty. 230. Is he going to be able to make the impact that we want is a question that I have. But, I mean, you're replacing guys on the defensive line that are or legit NFL players. And, and so I, mm-hmm. I concerns me a little bit. But, I mean, okay. your biggest competition, Penn State, is probably the one that you're concerned about, what, talking about offensive line play, how they match up. But they need to take a step forward, too. So I have no reason to doubt that Michigan's should be favored in every single game. I I agree. I think also the secondary to me, you have three safeties back, uh, Rod Moore, Sandstrom. Um, to me, the floor on Michigan is as high as any team outside of Georgia. I think you're going to, yeah. if this team plays to expectation, they should be in the college football playoff again. I, I just think there's, they, they answer, I think it's interesting when you look at the odds. George is obviously the favorite. Then you have your Alabama, Ohio State, and I'm drawing a blank on the third choice now while I talk. But all these teams are going through quarterback transitions. Michigan is not. Michigan, they have their quarterback in place. Their offense is set. We know what they're going to do. And they have the size up front to really push teams around the Big Ten. And to me, the defense, uh, Jesse Minter's back at D.C. I just think there's a program in place here that knows where they're going. They've had success over the past two years and they have to answer the least amount of questions. You say the defensive line, I'm not sure if that's going to be, maybe it's their Achilles heel, but it's not something that's going to kill them. Like we're going in with a blind spot, like Ohio no. state, the Ohio state has like serious questions. They need to answer. They can answer because they have a lot of talent. It's Ohio state, but we don't know. We can't say with confidence that their offensive line is going to be good. Their secondary is going to be good. Michigan, if they, we have like some slight concerns about the size of the defensive line, I give the benefit of the doubt to Michigan. And you talk about their schedule. Of course, I'd be remiss not to mention Jim Harbaugh now suspended for four straight games to start the year. How will they ever uh, survive the gauntlet of East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers at the big house? But again, I they will be favored in every single game. I will say I think they drop. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they dropped the Penn State game. Maybe they dropped the Ohio. I could see them dropping one, but this is a team that's going to be in the college football playoff the entire year. Yeah. Chris, is it as simple as take the over 10 and a half? I haven't bet any Michigan. I'm considering taking them to win the Big Ten because to me, the gap between Michigan and Ohio State is tangible going into the year. Um, so to me, you're looking at plus 165. Plus 165. Is it just take Michigan to go to the Big Ten Championship? Or is Penn State maybe the wild card that could open this up? Are you betting anything Michigan related heading into the year? So I, I haven't either. Um, mostly because I think I'm higher on Penn State than consensus. And so if I think that's we'll true. Talk, we'll talk about Penn State. We'll, right. We'll then I State. then I, I don't think a Michigan position makes a lot of sense. But I mean, if they if they win 11 I think it's more way more likely they win 11 than they do 10 because yeah. I think they're going to beat one of Ohio State Penn State they do have Ohio State at home which is a huge help going on the road to Happy Valley but I don't think that's going to be the whiteout game like I don't think it's the not, atmosphere no. I mean the it's, atmosphere it's Michigan State it's a, I think this year no I or, believe it's still somebody else. it's locked in it's okay. locked into Big Ten noon kickoff which is like an awful job by Fox but you know yeah Money's money, but, so you got to do what you got to do. But, yeah, that's not the Whiteout game. It will still be a crazy environment sure. uh, week 11, but it's not – it won't be – if it was a Whiteout game, it, 
throw throw them numbers out. Throw your power rate exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I I have Michigan favored in that one, um, but it's like under touchdown still. So I or uh, sorry, under a field goal actually. Yeah. Um, I want to say it's like a pick them. You could find like the game of the year lines, which isn't like the yeah you know most relatable things. Let me see what I have it at. But you keep talking. Yeah. No. I mean, so I I think it's more likely they win. 11 than they do 10. So, I mean, if you want to take that position, I think it makes sense. I think the the better position to take is probably to win the big 10, but you're basically saying the same thing at that point, right? Like I expect Michigan to beat one of one of Ohio state, Penn state. And then by the odds, they, those two beat up on each other, whatever they get Mm -hmm. to the championship game. And then whoever you're playing out of the West, like they're going to be double digit favorites. So it's not, it's not really going to matter. Exactly. Yeah, no, I I think it's an interesting because I really think there is a it's a three team race in my opinion between these two. I personally I have Penn State Michigan at Penn State. I give Penn State a boost for their home field. I have it Michigan minus one. So I like that's a true coin flip in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm no I am higher on Penn State, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But we'll we'll circle back to that game. Let's talk Ohio State first though. Win total about the same. Conference price about the same probably because you're anchored in your power ratings, but with the talent there, you know, you talk about Ubuka, Marvin Harrison, Travion Henderson, but we don't know who's playing quarterback as of now. I didn't see anything definitive from Big Ten Media Day. It's between Colin McCord and Devin Brown. Chris, before we talk about the team as a whole, how do you see that quarterback uh, situation playing out and – if it's one or the other, does it really change your opinion? Is there something to be noted from who starts in week one? To me, right, I'll let you go first, and I'll give my opinion on the situation. But this is the most questions we've had for Ohio State in several years. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so I I don't think it matters at the end of the day all that much, to be honest. I, I just, like, trust this offense. I mean, the wide receiver, you have two first-round wide receivers mm-hmm. and a bunch of five-stars behind them. Uh, I think Kyle McCord is the safer – play and I think he's going to start um works better inside structure he's been in the system for two years now he I've viewed him as the next up pretty much all offseason Devin Brown has one of the more spectacular arms when working outside of structure I mean some of the plays that he made in the spring game not this season but last year he some of the throws he was making were phenomenal I think he raises your ceiling if you want to play a little bit more creatively but I don't think you can really go wrong here. Um, and I just think the ta- the surrounding talent is so good that the floor for the quarterback is still a very productive player, regardless of who it is. I think, I think it will be McCord. Um, I like McCord. I think he's not going to make mistakes. I think that he's pretty safe, but I mean, I like both guys a lot, to be honest. Yeah. I, I didn't have a strong opinion. Even if Devin Brown started week one, I thought that this was going to be, McCord's this will be McCord's team moving yeah. forward and like you said it's it's kind of tough to hate on an Ohio State offense or really have that many it is questions but when you have guys on the outside like Marvin Harrison it's there's a it's a pretty high floor no matter what no matter who's playing here and I think both are capable maybe it's not CJ Shroud level but this offense should still be top 10 top 15 in the entire country so We'll see how it goes. But there are a handful of questions, though, on the offensive line. Yeah, A bunch of guys went pro. Uh, They lose at least three starters. And they bring in Josh Simmons from San Diego State. I saw a lot of hype around him coming through the portal. 
graded out as average by pro football focus by all metrics. So now you're going to jump to the big 10 and listen, maybe he improves, maybe bulks up, but it's, I don't think this is like, Oh my God, we just landed like our new uh, star right tackle. that's going to take over this offensive line. So we'll see. There's not a ton of depth there. So if there's concerns, it's against a physical big 10 front. I think the floor compared to Michigan's is lower for Ohio state. I just don't see how given the price you're paying for Ohio state this year, you could go in with so much confidence that you're willing to tie up your money for five months on the Buckeyes going forward defense. It wasn't really challenged during the regular season. And when it was finally challenged, it got gashed by Michigan. Like I said, I didn't think Michigan could take the top off of a defense and Jim Knowles defensive structure. It plays very aggressive. It really leaves itself vulnerable in the back end. And guess what? Michigan called like they called their bluff. They're like, okay, we're going to take the top off your defense. And they did just that. And they ended up blowing out Ohio state at, 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 yeah. on their home field. So they lose four of their so- six top defensive backs, but were any of them that good because none were drafted. So I don't think it's the end of the world. I'm not, I'm honestly not that worried about it. I, yeah. I expect this defense to take a step forward this year. I, I agree because they didn't lose anyone. I, Harrison, who was kind of a freak, but the production didn't necessarily match what he should have done at his size. I think you give him another year. I think the defense, again, it's maybe less proven, but I agree. It should probably take a step forward. I had, where are my numbers on them? I had their defense ranked, again, they also didn't play anybody of relevance for most of the season, but if you look at their defense, I mean, they were top 20 in yards per play top five in success rate, but it still didn't feel like they were an elite unit compared to Michigan's. And again, when it mattered most, they got gashed. Yeah. So I, I like Ohio state and I, I don't want to say I'm higher on them. Cause like what, they're like a top four team in terms of yeah, odds. Exactly. So, um, but I think the defense takes a pretty big step forward, which eases some of my concerns, especially at the quarterback position. Um, do the same concern about the offensive line though. I mean, you lose your center. That's a huge loss to really any team in the country. You lose oh, yeah. both your starting tackles. You have two guards who played a total of 280 snaps last year. Like that's those are co- huge concerns. Mm-hmm. Defensively, I like this front seven a lot. I think JT Tumalau took a big step last year. I think Michael Hall is going to take another step. Uh, Tyler Williams is another player who these are all guys who are like second and third year players who are still maturing and developing. I think Jack Stewart is an- another one of those guys. Um, the safety really matters in this Jim Knowles defense and. I didn't think they had a guy last year who could really like command it from the back seven. And I think that's going to be Sonny Styles this year. I okay. think that he takes that step. I loved him as a recruit, super talented. I think he was pretty good last year as a true freshman, but we didn't get to see a ton of him. I think he's the guy this year. So it's a really, it was a really young defense learning like a brand new system, which was super aggressive. It's like a four, two, five. And it was very different. What was being run previously. Jim Knowles is a smart guy and it takes a lot to learn his system, but it you saw that miscommunication burn them in that Michigan game, and you can't you can't run you can't run cover zero like you. Yeah. I understand what you're trying to say about JJ McCarthy, like you're what you're implying when you do that, but like it's still an all a Big Ten offense that's going to tear you up. Like I just don't know what they were thinking there. Yeah, and I think you make a good point about first year in a new system. Ohio State was outside the top 100 in explosive rush and pass rate last year on the defense allowed. They were gashed often. I mean, they were great at the line of scrimmage, but if you were getting to the second level, you were ripping off chunk plays. Yeah. So maybe that's, again, like you said, that miscommunication, maybe some growing pains in the new system. So 
I agree with you. I mean, listen, I'm not saying Ohio State's going to be bad. I just go in with if this team misses the college football playoff for the first time in a few years, it wouldn't shock me at all. I think that there's a fair amount of question on this team when we're comparing them to Michigan. The schedule, also, I would say more difficult than Michigan's. Yo, to Notre Dame, I'm not particularly high on the Irish this year, but still a road game against a Notre Dame team that has talent. And then a pretty tricky conference schedule when you look at the sequencing of events. At Purdue, always kind of a tricky place to play. We'll talk about Purdue in a little bit. They're not going to be very good, but never fun going to West Lafayette. Then you host Penn State, and then you go to Wisconsin. So that's kind of a weird three-game slate. And you host Michigan State, you host Minnesota, and then you're at Michigan for the finale. If I had to guess, they probably drop one of the Penn State or Michigan games, and I think they're probably more likely than Michigan to drop a second game. So I don't. I have no position on this Ohio State team. I will be watching very closely to see if maybe, maybe this team is just better than they were, than we're, the market was expecting, and we shouldn't be as concerned because again. They're going to be tested earlier than Michigan is. Michigan is running through a pretty easy conference lane until the back half. Ohio State's going to be tested relatively early. I mean, that week four trip at Notre Dame, they're that's they're going to be favored in that game, but that's not an easy out there. That will be a pretty big statement, in my opinion. Yeah i I have a play on them for uh, that I took back in like. I don't know, February maybe, which is just national title. And it was like plus 750 at the time. Um, I don't love that now, to to be totally honest. Um, As the more I've done, I'm like, well, I've just come around at Penn State. We'll talk about that later. But I do have a play on the game of the year um, that I actually really like. And that's Penn Penn State to cover the 10 and a half. I think that number is too too big. I I mean, yeah, I projected it six and a half to seven. Uh, That's... That might even uh, – I and don't like, know. I, I think these two teams are closer than that. I think especially with Penn State's defense and the questions up front for Ohio State, that's probably a little – ten and a half's a lot. Yeah, I, I, I think that number is, that number is crazy. Um, I was going to see what I have it at with – because I'm giving Ohio State the home field um, advantage, obviously, but – I mean, I saw that number today when I was going through it, and I was it, Ohio State's also only favored at ten versus Wisconsin, um, which I thought was they're favored by less against Wisconsin than, than they are Penn State, and I thought that was kind of like we'll flip the home field, but Penn State and Wisconsin still. didn't have shouldn't have a near similar rating. Yeah, I got so I got I got six point six is how much I have them favored by. Um, so that like 10 and a half is crazy to me. Like I, I I've already played Penn state to cover that number, even if Ohio state's home, like that doesn't really bother me. These teams, two teams are way too close to be double digits. You're definitely going to get some good CLV there. Cause yeah, I think so. It, it will, yeah. You'll get some good CLV there, but yeah, Ohio state. We'll see. There's fair questions, but again, I, I like your point on the defense though, and how they're going to move a team that I think we're both very high on is Penn state. Win total nine and a half shaded to towards the over six to one to win the conference. There's some nasty upside here. Uh, Drew Allar, obviously at quarterback. He's the prince who was promised for the Nittany Lions. But you also look at running back Singleton and Allen. Both got time last year. They're both blue trip recruits two future pros, probably at running back. So it's going to be pretty easy going for them. And then there's even more reinforcement. You look at the offensive line, uh, 
Basha knows back. He's going to be a first round pick next year. He was supposed to be a, a projected first round pick last year. He decided been like a top back. 10 pick easily. Yeah. So he's back. I also like the wide receiver room a lot. Lambert Smith is a receiver to watch. I love Dante Cephas from Kent state. They got a Florida state transfer in McLean. So this passing game to me is going to take a significant step forward after uh, the Sean Clifford uh, adventures of the past few years. So this offense to me has a higher ceiling than it's had in several years in happy Valley in this off um, in this offensive scheme, the defense Manny Diaz comes from Miami. I think it just seems like he's more better suited as a defensive coordinator because he had this Penn state defense operating at top 10 unit. Uh, they returned 75% of production per ESPN. Kaylin King, one of the best cornerbacks in the entire country. Abdul is there to spot you. Carter at 10 and a half tackles for loss as a freshman. I There's plenty of depth here. And on the defensive line, which I think could maybe be a bit of a concern, maybe a little undersized relative to some other Big Ten fronts. But Chop Robinson's a stud. Isaac, he missed all of 2021 with a torn Achilles. And I saw a report where he said, I wasn't 100% last year. I wasn't. And now he feels like this is the year where he could jump back. We'll see. They hit the portal for a few defensive tackles. But to me, this Penn State team is well-rounded, is legit. I think, and I played their win total over. To me, this is a 10-win team. I don't know if they're going to win the conference. But if they did, I would not be shocked Chris, are, are we making a plan on them to win the Big Ten? Like, how is this going to go? Because it seems like you're seeing this the way I am. There's just so much talent on this team. If there's a year for James Franklin to get over the hump and win the Big Ten, or he's done it before, but with the past few years and not have Saquon Barkley, uh, is this the year for Penn State? Man, I I love this team. I really, really team. do. There's, there's so much talent on both sides of the ball. And the biggest question is – can Drew Aller take that step? So we, we've seen him, though. We've seen him in the Purdue game. We saw him in the Ohio Ohio game. He was good at both of those. He made throws that Sean Clifford, I don't think, has ever made in his five-year, six-year, however long he played career. The question that I have, though, is I'm less bullish on this wide receiver room than um, I think you are. So that's the position that I, I, okay. I concerns me some. Like, I like Lambert Smith. I think he's a solid two. Dante Cephas, I loved at Kent State. That's a big question, though. Like, that's a pretty significant jump. I think that is the concern on offense. But they have two tight ends who I really like, too. If Theo Johnson could play the whole season, I think that he's really athletic and can, can take a step forward. So I'm not that worried. Plus, Drew Lark, great rusher, can do things outside of structure. Um, big dude. He's like, like 245. He, he, he's big. He, when yeah, he, so I, you go. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, he could take a beating. So I expect him to be an integral part of that rush game or at least, like, get it, get him some – uh designed rush attempts honestly clifford ran i don't have his numbers up but clifford was capable with his legs as well and you mentioned that purdue game i remember watching that purdue game when clifford goes out and obviously i knew about drew allar and i and he comes in first drive made a handful of throws like looked sliced rock on, and i was and i was like all right cool penn state like let's change the narrative here like i had penn state win total under last year i lost but I, if Aller was going to come in in week one, I was like, he's already better than Clifford. He's made one drive on the road in week one. So I mean, I'm in on this offense. I think with Singleton, Allen, you're going to, and even Aller as a rusher, you're going to be living ahead of the sticks. This oh, team yeah. should be top 10 success rate. If it's not explosive, they're just going to run it right down your throat and overpower you. And I'll give you a second to talk about the defense, but to me, this offense has a ceiling that, 
and hasn't had since Saquon's there. Yeah, I I mean, you have potentially the best running back in the country in Nick Singleton, um, at least the most explosive, most athletic for his size. And I mean, <laughs> Katrin Allen, you have him committing. He's better than he's probably top 15 back in the country. Like mm-hmm. they're going to be a positive game script the whole time, pretty much every game. I mean, they have two tests and I think that, I mean, was Michigan and Ohio state, but outside of that, I mean, I just think they're going to be like, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to run up the score in a lot of games, I think. Um, and again, it's like, it's that have, have not like, at Illinois last year for what Penn State was maybe trickier, but to me, Illinois just even if Illinois is a lead again on defense, they're not matching this Penn State offense. No. Penn State, this offense, they're getting high twenties, thirties every week with this offense. If it's not, it's a failure, and uh, Penn State should be looking for a new offensive coordinator. Um, Chris, any thoughts on the defense? Like, is this Big Ten level? I mentioned a little bit of concern about the size up front, but there's talent all over the place. Yeah, so I, I think that's a, a real issue. Um, not one that concerns me a whole lot, but I mean, both your def- both your tackles are like, well, they have uh, Devon Ellis, who's bigger, but I mean, uh, like Isaac is not that big. Like he he's sub 250, and I mean, I think you want a little bit bigger. I don't know. The size is fine to me, considering the offenses that they have to worry about are not offenses that are going to probably – I mean, you could say Michigan, but I think Michigan wants to be a little bit more balanced this year than mm-hmm. they probably have in the past and let McCarthy do some things. So I'm not particularly worried about that. But I mean, you have two potential top 15 picks on this defense in Kalen King and um, and Chop Robinson. I mean, I I just Kalen King is, is so good. I don't think people realize because like Joey Porter was the name last year like that. His loss doesn't concern me because Kalen King is like the best shutdown quarter in the country, like man on man. I, I agree. I had I, I had to double check when I was typing out my notes, but 21 passes defended last year. I mean, like you, you can't throw in this guy. So I like that. And now you talk about the schedule again, they're going to blitz West Virginia in the opener. They host Iowa. If it was at Iowa, maybe it's a little bit of a different thought because weird things happen there. But again, I just don't see where you're getting challenged. I mean, at Northwestern and at Maryland, those are your two other road games. Then obviously of course at Ohio state to be fair though, Penn State, they're going to have a really nice runway leading up to that Ohio State game. You have a bye, you host UMass, and then you're at Ohio State. So they should have a nice little runway. I mentioned how kind of tricky this Ohio State schedule is going to be before the Penn State came and around it. So maybe you get a nice little runway and you have a nice and, you know, you're set up nicely for that Ohio State game on the road. And then you host Michigan in week 11. Even if they lose the Ohio State and Michigan game, they should run through the rest of their schedule, in my opinion. I guess the question is, Chris, is this a team that you think can make the Big Ten championship game, make the college football playoff, or you think maybe it's they fall just short of that, maybe the sequencing and the schedule? I, I think there's a world where you see Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all lose one game to one another, and then you have one of those crazy tiebreaker scenarios i actually looked it up last night prepping for this pod i have to pull up the link again but there's like some crazy scenarios where you really run into percentages and win because they i could see them all cannibalizing each other yeah that's that's kind of the concern which i think that gives you value on the penn state to to win the conference right like six to one versus what is it like plus 165 for mm-hmm. michigan and Ohio state like i like i don't think penn state is is nearly 
like close to being that different. Like I think Penn State should be a lot closer. And I understand like the odds and they're all in the East and what whatever, mm-hmm. but Penn State's a lot closer than like than that. So I, I like Penn State six to one to win the win the uh win the championship game. I think that's fair. I I think I mean, I talked about earlier, like I'm t- I've already take, taken them in the game of the year against Ohio State at 10 and a half. I mean, I think they cover that. They're going to be double-digit favorites in every other game besides Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot to like about this team. This team is... I'm trying to think of the best way to play this team to like maximize value because I think they have the highest ceiling of anybody not named Georgia in the country. I completely agree with you. I My other one... I think Texas A&M has a scary high ceiling. I do too. I, I, Penn State is more proven, so I don't sound as crazy saying Penn State. I mean, look, I'm now pulling up like to make the playoff odds. If I had to guess, they're probably I think they're plus in, 300. Like that's not that's not good enough. No, 440, I, I see on Fanduel right now. That's okay. not good enough. I, no. I'd rather take six to one to win the Big Ten because the odds of them getting in as like the fourth team not making the Big Ten championship, it's like kind of lower because their strength of schedule won't be as good and that's probably safe for like an sec team. I don't know. I agree with you though. I think if you're looking ceiling, it's not like win the national championship, probably like 25 to one or something. It's probably win the big 10 at six. Cause I agree with you. They should probably be closer to like three fifty or four because it's yeah. the same path. They have the same path as Ohio state, Michigan. It's not like one team avoids someone and they have, they're all playing each other. So to me, the teams are closer than these odds would indicate in my opinion. So I, I think they line up really well with Ohio State, by the way. Like, I think oh, yeah. Ohio- Penn State is a really good mismatch for Ohio State. They can go into the big house and win, in my opinion. Yeah. We'll, we'll circle back on best bets, and we'll, we'll see if maybe we, uh, we come to terms on a play. But we move now, finally, to the other division, the West Division. My Wisconsin Badgers win total of eight and a half shaded towards the over the first year of the Luke Fickle regime. Pretty pumped about it as a fan, even if it doesn't bear fruit this year. But eight to one to win the conference projected. Listen, projected win nine games. I'll take that if that's what it's going to be. Fickle made a great hire, in my opinion. Phil Longo from North Carolina. They hit the portal so hard. They bring in a handful of quarterbacks to beef up this quarterback room. Uh, Tanner Mordecai is going to be the starter from SMU. Not the biggest fan, but I think when you talk about a guy going to the Big Ten, I think there's reason for optimism. I do think long-term Nick Evers from Oklahoma is probably the guy that's going to take this team to new heights. But Tanner Mordecai looks to be the starter. Piped the ball down the field last year, over eight yards per pass, top 30 in the country. The team also brought in a handful of transfers at receiver, guys that they haven't, haven't had in God knows how long. I'm talking C.J. Williams from USC, Bryson Green from Oklahoma State. And, of course, at running back, you still have Braylon Allen, one of the best running backs in the country, and Ches Malusi. Offensive line, going to take a hit. They lose their offensive line coach. They do have two back. This has been offensive line city uh, over the past several years. So I do believe in kind of the who was recruited early on uh, that this team could still be a plus offensive line. The defense brings in Mike Tressel, who comes with Fickle from Cincinnati. It's been a top 20 defense for the last several years. I don't see a reason why they can't be uh, in Trestle's offense. Defensive line has a few questions, I would say. They're very thin there, but there are offense uh, upperclassmen on the line like Johnson and Perez. I still think that this could be an elite unit. They lose Nick Herbig, uh, but they still have Goats and Turner at linebacker. Listen, I still think that this Wisconsin team has the highest ceiling in the division. 
They're the favorite though. So I don't think I'm breaking any news. Uh, schedule is manageable. I would say they do go to Ohio state. We'll see how the rest of the conference goes before we get into the schedule. Uh, Chris, how do you see the Badgers in year one of the fickle regime? So I like them long-term. Yeah. I'm not sure that the personnel is going to match what Longo wants to play yet. And I think that that's like a year two, three thing. I like the wide receivers they have. Like they seem to be really high on Will Pauling, who, um, I mean, the slot is really important in that offense. Um, CJ Williams wasn't a big fan of him as a recruit, but that's still like a high four-star kid coming from USC. Uh, Shamir DK is back. So it's by far the best receiver room they've had in a while. I'm not going to dispute that. I just don't know if it's going to match what um, Longo wants to do. Because, I mean, this is an offense that's ranked like bottom 30, bottom 20 in pace. We look at like plays per minute. Longo's ranked top 20 in the last like three years consistently. So it's going to be just very, very different. Um, my biggest concern, though, it's something that you brought up, which is the defensive line. Like, you lose two day two picks in the NFL um, in Herbing and, and Benton. I like the dude that they brought in from Temple, Darian Varner. I actually think he's pretty underrated. I, uh, he could be an impact player. But you're also moving from Temple to the Big Ten, so I, I wonder what that, what that looks like. Last year, they struggled a little bit against explosive passing. Um, overall, I mean, the defense was top 20 in success rate and ninth in EPA per play. So it wasn't like a huge issue, but there mm. were a couple times where I was watching them and I was like, this shouldn't be happening to Wisconsin. Um, I think so, just at, watching from like the fan line. The fa- yes. I think the team kind of let go of the rope. I, I think it was a team that they weren't as good on the defensive side of the ball because there wasn't enough buy-in and that's why Paul Chris was fired. And, Listen, I liked Paul Crist. I thought he was a great coach, but what Wisconsin's done under uh, McIntosh, their new athletic director, they used to operate like a mom and pop shop under Barry Alvarez. This is clearly a a step in the right direction for Wisconsin that we have not seen from this team since I have, since I went to school there, you know, I graduated four years ago. So last like almost 10 years following this program, they're operating differently and that's why I like the long-term trajectory of this team. I do too. That's why I think they're they're moving in the right direction, and we'll kind of tie it all together. But to me, the defense, they took a step back, especially on the discipline side of things, I think, just because the offense was so bad, and it just looked like the – it sounds silly, but the vibes were off there. The team, in my opinion, let go of the rope. No, that – I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I'm not plugged into Wisconsin like like you are. Yeah. But – um. I mean, Barry Alvarez would never allow Phil Longo's hire to get through to the, exactly. to the administration. So I love the way that they're trending too. Um, I'm just not positive I buy it this year. Um, but I'm honestly really low on Tanner Mordecai. Um, uh, he scares the crap out of me. As Interesting. What as do you a, think about Evers? A, um, I have some people that are familiar with the Oklahoma program that were really disappointed at him last year. And so that concerns me as well, because I don't think the depth okay. at quarterback is is what we want if Mordecai does struggle. Because Mordecai struggled last year, too. And I think Preston Stone could have come in and easily done a better job. So mm-hmm. I don't know about year one of the dairy raid. I love him long term. I, I, I just wait. I, time out. Time out. I love that nickname. I had. Oh, dairy you haven't heard raid? that? The dairy raid is amazing. That's oh, so yeah. Good. That's amazing. I mean, I'm taking that. I'm, that's what we've been calling need, them. Do I need to uh, credit somebody. Credit you. I, 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 no, I didn't come up with it. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who did. 
but Dude, um that's unreal but I, that's what we've been calling it so i mean i like i like it long term i think it's gonna work i think that's the way the big Ten's trending i think it can work for them um still with braylon allen i think the office is still eventually essentially going to flow through him regardless long goal top dial back his neutral game skirt pass rate he's been like 10 percent above average um when we compare him to the rest of the fps so he'll he'll dial it back. I think he's flexible enough to understand that like he can't run his offense year one. But I am fading Wisconsin probably at their price. I just a lot of that's personnel and Tanner not liking Tanner Mordecai. It is it is gonna be a culture shock. You talk about the pace ramping up, it's gonna look different. I think maybe it could work one of two ways, right? You could see growing pains on the side of the ball, or it could catch the big ten. And they'll have, you know, it'll be like a culture shock to them based on what they play in Wisconsin. Obviously, they'll know what's coming, but seeing it on the field is different than oh, yeah. know, being preparing for it. To me, the schedule does set up as nice as you could ask for. They play road games at Purdue, at Illinois, at Indiana, and at Minnesota. Indiana, they're going to be big favorites. Illinois and Purdue are coin flips. Uh, by my numbers, I have them. The Illinois game I have as... Wisconsin less than a field goal and Purdue. I have them favored by more than a field goal, but still relative toss-ups and at Minnesota I have as inside of a field goal as well. So not the easiest, but they do get Iowa and Ohio state at home. So that helps their cause maybe for an upset or anything like that. Um, Again, I think they win eight or nine games a lot. I think they contend maybe Chris, you see the floor a little bit lower than, than this market would indicate i do think if you're gonna play like big 10 west futures i could see a case for like taking a long shot here if you don't believe in like the wisconsin upside which i have done yeah to to that's that is the way that i am fading wisconsin i'm not really touching the win total because i again like the schedule is really solid Mm -hmm. i think the floor can fall out from this team but i've i'm playing uh the long shot there on on the big 10 west um so that's the way that I'm approaching Wisconsin. It's to just buy the secondary options in this conference. Interesting. Maybe one coming up here. It's Iowa. Win total has been steaming up all summer long from, I saw seven and a half, a little shaded. Now it's eight shaded to the over minus 145 is where I see it today. 11 to one to win the conference. The offense could not have been worse last year. Uh, they do make some nice moves in my opinion in the portal. Of course, Brian Ferentz has the, uh, contract amendment that he needs to average over 25 or it's 25 points per game in his contract. I don't know if it will get there, but it, I, one, the offense can't get worse. And I actually think it could take a pretty tangible step forward. If Ferenc calls, puts the players in the right position to succeed, they get Cade McNamara from Michigan, who maybe is not like a high ceiling guy like JJ McCarthy, but Cade McNamara took a team to a college football playoff. I think he deserves a little bit of credit based on where he was last year and how I think that this transfer, when I saw it come through the portal, I was like, damn, that's a pretty nice get for Iowa. Um, that's a big upgrade, in my opinion. The entire offensive line is back. Johnson at running back, rushed for nearly 800 yards. He's back. Uh, Latchy's back uh, in the passing game, and they get Eric All from Michigan. He had an injury, so he hasn't played in a little bit, but that was a high-level guy two years ago. The defense, they do lose a lot, but I think Iowa gets the benefit of the doubt here that – you know, you lose pros, but they still have talent there. And this is a system that they're going to feast on turnovers. They're going to make a ton of plays. They're disciplined. Um, so I still think that this Iowa defense is going to be, it'll take a slight step back maybe, but still a lead across the board, in my opinion, where you look at 
and this team grades out top 10 across the board. Um, Chris, how do you see it going for the Hawkeyes this year? Am I right to say bullish? So I have, I have a longstanding issue with betting Iowa. Um, I am never on the right side of the Hawkeyes. (laughs) I fade them and they win. I, I back them and they lose. I just can never get a read on this team. Um, but I like what they did in the portal a lot. Uh, I think they had a really, really strong, like, is McNamara the best quarterback they've had in the last decade? Like, I'm trying to think who that other guy would have been. Probably. I, so, obviously, big there. I love Luke Lachey. I mean, super talented tight end. I think he's he is going to take a big step and be a premier position player, like, in the overall conference. Eric Hall's great depth there. Well, I mean, they're going to run a bunch of two tight end sets. Um, I think Caleb Johnson, their running backs, pretty underrated as well. And I think they're going to have a strong offensive line, which opens up the possibility that they actually have like an effective offense. He, they need to average seven more points than they did last. Well, 6.2 more points than they did last year for fairness to not get, I guess, not get fired. Is that, is that the stipulation? Not get demoted, whatever, it, whatever it is. Pretty, demo, pretty much. But so like, yeah, I think they could score one more touchdown per game. Like, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, they've upgraded at almost every position, uh, in terms of skill position, I'm not worried about the defense at all. I mean, they, they still return Cooper DeJean and uh, Joe Evans. I mean, like those are two game breakers, no matter what program you're, you're playing on. So yeah, I like, I mean, I like this Iowa team. I just, I hate, I just hate backing Iowa. I really do. I, yeah. I'll like, I'll be honest, but that's the, probably the smart play to, to my, my numbers graded them out lower, um, closer, like eight wins. And so, but I, I mean, it's probably the right side. I, I have not played anything on Iowa though. I've not. I did, played t- I did take Iowa to beat Iowa State if that if that counts. Yeah, but especially with Iowa State likely suspensions. Yeah, like that number is gonna go through. You know, some key numbers for sure. Schedule sets up really nicely for them. Like you mentioned, the aforementioned Iowa State game that's on the road in the Seahawks game, but Iowa State might be a little shorthanded in that one. It's week two. Uh, they do go to Penn State and Wisconsin and Nebraska. So three road, t- three tough road games for sure. But they'll be favored in every single home game. Host Michigan State, host Purdue, host Minnesota. Northwestern on a neutral off a bye. That's in Chicago. It's in, it's at Wrigley Field, is it? Maybe? I don't know. I, it, it's, it's, it, a, it's probably it's a not going to matter. Yeah. It's, it's probably not going to matter because Northwestern is a dumpster fire right now. And then they host Rutgers and host Illinois. So, if they let's say lose those three road games and they win every other one, you're still over this total and you have push protection on eight. So I haven't caught up to the number because like the market just keeps kind of pounding them away probably because yeah. we're seeing the same thing, but so I don't have any action in Iowa, but I agree. Like if this seems in the big 10 championship game, wouldn't surprise me at all. Nope. If the team takes a pretty tangible step forward or I'm expecting them to take a pretty tangible step forward on offense. So I think we, we pretty much kind of summed up Iowa there. Minnesota team that has been going down in the market win total. You could get over seven flat at plus money, or you get over six and a half at minus money about 30 to one to win the conference. There's some turnover here. Tanner Morgan, his lengthy career uh, in Minnesota's finally ended. So as Mo Ibrahim's uh, it's going to be Cal miss butcher's name, but Cal Kamakis. It's going to be him now bigger arm than Morgan. I think they're going to take more chances. It's going to be an offense that might, I mean, it was running at like service Academy levels last year. Yeah. Now I think you're going to see a bit more of a vertical passing game. 
Played a bunch last year because Morgan had concussions. Wasn't thrown in the best situations. I know he played at Penn State in what I believe was the whiteout game, so kind of was set up for failure there. Yeah. Um, but they got Sean Tyler in the portal. He was in a thousand yard rusher. Chris Autumn Bell, Autumn Bell is somehow back for a seventh season. But they lose three guys on the offensive line, one of which was John Michael Schmitz, uh, uh day two pick in the NFL draft. We'll see how this goes. They hit the portal as well for more group of five guys at receiver, Elijah Spencer, Corey Crooms, two guys that I liked at the G5 level. We'll see how it goes for this offense. going to look a lot different in my opinion. Defense, they won without getting a pass rush. So this was a bend-don't-break unit. Didn't allow any explosive plays, but they need to replace more than 40% of their offense. They're, they lose a lot here. Um, they're set at defensive end, but a lot of pros gone, especially in the secondary We'll see how it goes. They've been running a 4-2-5. Chris, how do you see Minnesota going? Because the market has been fading them in the win total market. I don't have the strongest opinion. I'm pretty much right at this number right now. I think I'm in like the high sixes for them. Let me pull up my numbers. I'm at 6.7, so I'm kind of right in the middle. But how do you see it going for the Golden Gophers? Yeah, um, I have them... Yeah, I got I got them six point six. So spot yeah, on. So, uh, so uh, they're one of the teams that I, I took to win the Big Ten West um, in fading Wisconsin. So I, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit higher on this team, and I think the upside is is there. So as the market has faded them, like it gives me more opportunity to probably back them at a better number than I would have otherwise, or just not play them. Calic Manis is interesting because we've seen him play and I've never seen to like him, but I listen to people who like the 24 seven guys, the guys who are plugged into the program, they seem to love Calic Manis, like the Greek rifle. I sweet nickname. First of all, he's got a big arm. I'll give him yes. that. He's got a big arm. Like this offense is going to look different. And so I think the ceiling is there, right? So that, that gives me way. They're not going to run as much. Sean Tyler is like 185 pounds. I like the two guys to have behind him in um, Zach Evans and the true freshman coming in, but they're not going to run as much. They're going to throw more. I think the wide receiver room is upgraded. Both G5 sure. guys that you mentioned earlier. Elijah Spencer was awesome. Corey Crooms is one of the better, was one of the better wide receivers in the Mac last year. I think this offense has like more potential than it would have otherwise. Cause like it, like you said, it was like really like a service Academy that has how they're running it. I think they want to be yeah. a little bit more aggressive in doing and pushing the ball downfield, which I think they can. The set losses in the secondary are concerning. Um, I mean, they lost two day two NFL picks. I like the kid they brought in from Southeast Louisiana, Jack Henderson. I, I got to look at him a little bit. I think he's pretty interesting, but they still have Tyler Newbin on, on the defense. So I like Minnesota. And what I really like about backing them, probably I haven't played the win total. The number I've played is to win the Big Ten West because it I think plus six hundred is pretty good. Um they get Illinois, Nebraska, and Wisconsin at home. Iowa's away, which is a problem. But, yeah. I mean, those are three games that I think are pretty close to a toss-up. And having them be in Minnesota is, is big. For sure. And obviously, you know, if Wisconsin's the favorite to win the division. You get it at home last game of the year. And I told you I have it inside of a field goal. I have Wisconsin favored, but obviously, again, that's week 13. We're going to have a lot, a lot more information to base our bets off of. I would say given at North Carolina in the non-con, I'd probably steer away from like, I'd rather play, like you said, higher ceiling, like at plus 600 to win the division rather than lay, you know, 
a minus 135 on a win total at six and a half because they're going to be underdogs at North Carolina. To me, like that kind of like you don't want to like punt a game away in the non-con. You know, you'd rather go for like a higher ceiling outcome and the North Carolina game that doesn't affect that, obviously. At Iowa Hurts, at Ohio State Hurts, can they get at Purdue? But you get Michigan at home. I doubt you're going to win that one. I don't know if I could get there, but I do agree with you that there might be an untapped ceiling that the market can't catch up to because of what Minnesota has been over the last several years and what they're going to become this year. If it all goes right. So I don't hate where you're going with this. (laughs) I don't know if I'm get. I don't know if I'm going to get there. I could take, I could take it. You can tell me you hate hate it. No, no, I I don't hate it because like (laughs) you said, like there's a chance like, Calicamacus, like you said, 24-7 guys have been talking up. They watch that. I remember the spring game reports is like they are chucking the ball down the field. Yeah. And they have the wide receiver room, in my opinion, that's probably, you know, given where some of the Big Ten offenses are, probably league average wide receiver room, maybe even above that. Oh, yeah. Spencer and Crims are one of the better two imports you're getting from the transfer. One of the two better transfer portal imports you're getting from the G5. So I could see it. I don't know if I'm going to back it, but like – if I hit you up in December, I'm like, damn, good call on Minnesota. It wouldn't be like the craziest thing in the world. I think that the ceiling is higher. I just don't love the schedule. Like if I was at home, if I was at home, that's because you got to think you're probably losing Michigan and Ohio state. That's two. Iowa three. You're really running out of breathing room for big 10 to get there. You're running out of, out of room there. So I have them favored in Illinois, Nebraska and Wisconsin. Um, but you at your I don't have them Wisconsin, but coin flip game at home. Coin coin flip, right? Um, yeah, it's just it's really the way that I'm I'm opting to fade Wisconsin is is part of that that play, right? I don't think if, yeah. I, if I don't think Wisconsin's going to win the Big Ten West, someone else has to. Mm-hmm. And I think that six to one is six to one is just too long. So I think there's just value there. I think it should be plus three eighty plus four hundred something like that. Fair. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where that all. And I just think there's value on that. Let's go back to the other division, though. Maryland. Win total seven, about minus 130 to the over. 30 to one to win the conference. This is a team that has been happily in the middle of the conference for several years now, especially under Talio Tagovailoa. Haven't been able to really get over the hump against the Michigan, Ohio State's Penn States. They actually played very well against them last year, but haven't been able to really get there yet. But Mike Loxley, I, I think, doing some good things here. I think this year, though, is going to be a test. I see why the schedule gives them a high win total, but brand new offensive line coming in for Talia. Uh, Hemby's back at running back, and they hit the portal pretty hard, getting uh, Chambers from Florida International, one of the better group of five receivers coming in. But again, they lose Rakeem Jarrett. They lose four or five guys in the offensive line. I think there's a lot of questions for incoming offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis. Defense, pretty solid last year. Uh, shut down big plays. I mean, the secondary is really good. Top five and explosive pass rate, but just didn't generate enough turnovers. Outside top 100 and turnovers forced. Only five holdovers from last year on the starting uh, defense here. So we'll see. Uh, Jordan Phillips from Tennessee is coming in. He'll be the new like defensive tackle leader. Donnell Brown, he was the NEC defensive player of the year from Division Two. So we'll see how that goes. But again, a lot of new faces here. I don't have a lot to say about this Maryland team. Talia Tagovailoa, he, the team is going to go as he goes, but there's a lot of new faces here. Chris, how are you assessing the Terps in 2023? Man, it's such a tough team to read because I think they're going to start five or six transfers on this offense. And they return like 25% of offensive line snaps, 
Like yeah. that that's an issue because I already think this team is a, like second tier when we talk about the Big Ten. So I understand the schedule too, right? They usually have a pretty soft non-con. Um, yeah. Like so, I I I get it. I just the floor can fall out on this team pretty quick. I I think like because. Tyabello is really inconsistent. Like he, he plays basically how his opponent plays like up. Well, he plays down to his opponent and then he never really like plays up. So he'll go for like 11 for 20 against Ohio state. And then he could do the same thing against Buffalo the next week. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's a lot of risk. I think in any position that you have on Maryland, just because I think they can outperform it and they can like the the talents there. Like I like Tyrese chambers. I like Caden Prather. The dude they brought in from West Virginia. But man, I have no idea how it's all going to work because there's so much to replace and so much being added that just inconsistent. I don't, and I do not like the the offensive play calling. It's like Kevin Sumlin is the co-offensive coordinator there. I don't yeah, know. I was going to mention that. I low key on the you know athletic director Kevin Sumlin making an appearance. Obviously, I, Gaddis struggled, but he was to be fair, Gaddis was much better in the Big Ten when he was with Michigan. So maybe yeah. you know get into a familiar place. I. The schedule is pretty soft, but like to get over this win total of seven, you're saying you got to win eight games. And let's say you're going to lose Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Yeah, at least double double digit dogs in each in those. Yeah, even with Penn State, Michigan at home, we're saying you're definitely taking care of business at Michigan, at Nebraska, Illinois at home. You know they do draw Indiana, Northwestern, and Rutgers. So again, the schedule's soft, but. I, I don't really have any interest in getting involved in this team. I I could see a tough year. I could see you know, maybe the portals all click, but like they're probably happily going to be in the middle of the East. Yeah. And I mean, I project this Nebraska game pretty close, but it would not surprise me at all if they got trounced by Nebraska. Yeah. Like that feels like a, a pretty scary proposition. So I yeah. just, I, those toss ups are, are just scary games to me mm-hmm. when I'm trying to back Maryland. I mean, you go to, yeah, I mean, go to Michigan State can be a loss. I don't think highly of Michigan State, but, I mean, that could be a loss. It's a Big Ten road game. None of them are that easy outside of, like, Rutgers and Northwestern, Indiana. Like, all these teams in the middle could beat anyone on any given day. The the gap isn't that big. It's a good segue, though, into Nebraska. Win total at six, heavy to the over, so, like, call it six and a half at minus 110. They're 61 to win the conference. I like the Matt Rule hire. I don't like the Marcus Satterfield hire at offensive coordinator. No. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Sims comes from Georgia Tech. I imagine he's going to be the starter. The offensive line wasn't great last year. Uh, 96 in sacks allowed in bottom half of the country in line yards. But they do get back four starters, and they get an off Arizona State transfer. And Scott at center. We'll see. Fadone was a Mackey Award candidate, but he can't seem to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, that probably raises the ceiling of his offense. I like getting Billy Kemp from Virginia uh, in the portal. Running backs, very unproven. The offense, I really don't know what to make of it, but I do like the defense quite a bit. Tony White comes in at defense coordinator. Uh, He comes from Syracuse. This was a Syracuse defense. Uh, He coached up to two top 30 defense the last two years. We'll see. They couldn't couldn't get ahead of schedule. They couldn't put teams behind schedule last year. They were bottom 10 in success rate, but they get back their top three tacklers. I think I am more bullish on the defense than the offense. Like I said, I think this team is probably it's year one of the rule era. I think maybe 
they perform to expectation and they are, you know, get some positive momentum into the future. But at a win total of six, six and a half, seems about right. I think that this team is probably going to be right around league average. Jeff Sims gives them maybe a an interesting ceiling, but in reality, he's not very good. So we'll see how yeah. it goes. I I any material step that this team takes forward is going to be entirely from Matt Rule. And I don't think exactly. And I, from, I, I don't think it's going to be from the players. Yeah, I think this is a home run hire, especially at coming after like Scott Frost. Scott Frost chokes in like close games. I don't think you're going to have that issue with Matt Rule. I think not that the schedule the schedule like is pretty gives them a chance, but I that at Colorado game could be a hilarious result if uh, Colorado wins. But like I, I wish there were. Uh, I almost wish there were more chances to back them as like a big underdog because I could see Nebraska. Maybe they don't win as many games, but maybe there's like one upset, you know, there's like a flat, like a glimmer of hope where this team is moving in the right direction. Listen, they're going to be more competent in my opinion, but I really don't like the Marcus Satterfield hire. I think that maybe it's like, maybe they take care of business at home and that's how they really flirt with this win total. But I see myself backing them as underdogs just because I, the rule factor. And I think Jeff Sims gives them an interesting ceiling. If, if Jeff Sims is on his game, maybe this team is a little bit more frisky than we were expecting, but the schedule, like they're playing all these middling teams. We just mentioned Maryland. They're home for Purdue home for Iowa. The last game of the year, maybe they pull that upset after a few years of, um, um, well, no, didn't they win last year? Maybe, but I just think um, home for Iowa. Maybe that's the game that they get where they're moving forward. But I just don't, I don't have a strong opinion about Nebraska. I like the higher though. Yeah, I'm not sure I do either. Um, I do. I co-sign the Marcus Satterfield stuff though. Like as a Gamecock fan, I had to watch that offense for the last couple of years, and it was it was tough, <laughs> man. It was it was it was real bad. I don't. Yeah, he'll be gone. I hope if this mm. they want long term success in offense. I actually think they're heading in a really good direction, just in general with the higher. But some of the receivers they brought in are like year two, year three impact guys, um, like super athletes for the conference. So I think we're a year away, but I think it's going to work in Nebraska. I agree. One team uh, that had a big pop last year. We'll see how they do this year. It's Illinois. Win total six and a half, minus 110 each way. 60 to one to win the conference. They had a dream year last year under Burp uh, Belima. They were a run first offense last year under Chase Brown had over 1600 yards. The offensive line played bully ball right around the national average in terms of success rate, which I think is a huge step forward for an Illini program that really had some dismal offenses. They get Luke Altmaier from Ole Miss. Couldn't beat out Jackson Dart. Been backed up. He was backed up there for two years. Uh, Paddock from Ball State. He's nothing call home way out, but he's the backup. Wide receiver room. Williams caught 82 passes last year. They weren't explosive at all, but Altmaier, I think, is going to maybe give them a little bit more stability at quarterback, but they're going to take a step back in the ground game. The defense loses defense coordinator Ryan Walters that built a top 10 defense, uh, top five defense. Yeah. But they lose out on a few pros in the secondary, including Devin Witherspoon, who was a top five pick. The defensive line is going to be really good again with Newton, Randolph Jr. at defensive tackle. Newton especially had 14 TFLs last year, but the secondary – has questions in my opinion. There's not a ton back. Again, you have a new defensive coordinator. They kept it in-house. To me, I am fading Illinois. The explanation is 
the defense is going to take a step back. It literally has to. They were number two in EPA per play last year. They will not be that again this year. It's not possible. Their win total last year was three and a half. And this is always like a warning bell to me when betting win totals. When you go, when you take a three win jump for a lot of, like, I would say surprising success, I always look to play back against that the following year. They were, they had a win total of three and a half last year. And they won, was it nine games? I think it was eight, eight or nine games. That's a huge jump for Illinois. Now you were expected from be a frisky team in the Big Ten to be a guaranteed bull team. I just don't see it. And to me, the schedule doesn't do them many favors, Chris. I Toledo and Florida Atlantic coming home, they're going to win both those games. But to me, those are two of the upper teams in the group of five with athletes that could really put a scare in them, in my opinion. They go to Kansas. Kansas defense is terrible, but... That's one of the better offenses in the entire country. I think they could really, on the road, I put, I make Kansas a favor in that game. At Purdue, not an easy one. Another team that's going to try and push the ball down the field. And meanwhile, your former D.C. is the head coach there. At Maryland, not easy for a team that probably has a better offense than you. At Minnesota, not easy. At Iowa, not easy. Not to mention Wisconsin and Penn State are coming to town. Nebraska, even, if you want to say, like, maybe they get frisky there. But, again. I see six and six here. There are a lot of toss-ups on the schedule, in my opinion. I feel super confident that Illinois is going to have such an unbelievable season. They were plus 15 in turnovers last year. This is such a jump in expectation. I I like the under here for the Illini. I just think they lose a lot of guys that were the foundation of their success last year. You will not have a single argument from me. On that, I <laughs> I project ten of their games to be within a touchdown. Um, or that's not good for a team. That's that's no. not what you want from a team that just came off your dream season. No, I mean I I essentially share the exact same concerns. Like Devon Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, Jatavis Martin, all day one or two picks. Yeah, they get in uh, Clayton Bush from uh, Southern Illinois and Demetrius Hill from FIU, and those are both good players for their conference. They're taking a big step up. One's an FCS player. One, one, one was at FIU, and there's a lot going on with that program. But you return 15 total starts in the secondary, and almost all those are coming from Tavion Nicholson. It's like that's a big, big problem. And you promote your secondary coach to uh, defense coordinator. Does that take less focus off the unit as well? And like those guys aren't playing up to the same level. I, I don't know, but it, there's a concern there. And I think the offense. Passing will be better. I, I agree. I think Altmaier is definitely a step up. But, I mean, I'm just – I'm really concerned. Um, and I think the offensive line is a problem too. Like, they have zero experience at center. Like, they have no returning starts at center. Like, Josh Kreitz, like, we haven't even seen him. I don't I don't know what to expect. They do get both tackles back, but it's a – there are a lot of questions for a six-and-a-half-win six te- six win team. That's, like, minus 110. Yeah, I'm on the under here too. Yeah, and it, it was a six-win team that, again, is coming off, like, the dream year. that Everything broke. Everything went right. Yeah, perfect. exactly. So that's, like, where, to me, I'm immediately like, okay, I'm going to come back against this one. Like, I'm just it, – it's a natural regression. I think we don't have to get into other conferences, but, like, you see with, like, Oregon State, three-win uh, win total jump. Duke, three-win win total drop, jump. Like, it's a huge change in expectation that with a team that isn't all of a sudden getting – you know, blue chip recruits crushing the portal. Like this is still the same Illinois team. 
without their best players, but like recruiting wise, it's kind of this, they're getting in the same guys. This isn't like a whole change in demeanor. Like if I were to like buy a win total over on this team, it would be like, all right, Illinois won six games last year. And now their win totals five and a half. That's like, they could get back to a bowl because they're going in the right direction. This is like, they're firmly, firmly in and the expectation changes. I want to play back against that. A team that has kind of fallen from grace after really popping is Michigan state win totals at five and a half, but heavy to the under minus one sixty five. I see to the under 120 to one to win the conference Peyton Thorne late transfer in the spring. Keon Coleman late transfer in the spring. I mean, there's a max exodus here. Uh, they'll also lose Reed to the pros. It looks like Noah Kim is going to be the uh, starter. He was apparently outperforming Thorne before he transferred. So maybe that was like, that should probably tell you all you need to know. Cause Thorne now plays for Auburn. The offense was terrible last year. Uh, couldn't run the ball. They have a former Wisconsin running back in Jalen Berger, but bottom 15th in yards per carry. Bring back three offensive linemen, but again, there's a ton of questions here on the offensive side of the ball, especially at quarterback. I don't have a strong opinion about Noah Kim. He's a redshirt junior, has sat behind, so I don't really see much here. The defense really let go of the rope by the end of the year. Got to the passer. They're top 40 in sacks, but also when they were getting gashed, they were getting just absolutely crushed. Um, Overall, 102nd in success rate at the top 100 in yards per play. Uh, dead last in turnovers forced. So um, I really don't see much here. They still have some continuity at defensive coordinator with Hazleton there. A lot of guys were hurt throughout the year, and they got some transfers like from the SEC, Adelaide from AM. But there's a lot of questions here all over the board. Um, Chris, any thoughts here on – Michigan State. I mean, you could you could tell me anything with this team. I lean towards like it's going to be a disaster, a really backloaded schedule as well with a tough non-con with Washington coming to town. But I just I have no strong opinions here. I probably lean towards the under. I, they probably win five games, but I just maybe like everyone's so off of them that it's time to buy the dip. But I don't really see much here. Yeah, I have them projected at like five point four, five point four three wins i have 5.39 so like i like yeah we're like no strong opinion here and it could be worse yeah i i expect this team to be a disaster this year like (laughs) it would not it would not surprise me if they lost so they'll they'll beat richmond i think they'll beat central michigan um i think they'll beat Rutgers, and then i think they could lose all the other games i mean indiana they'll be favored uh nebraska i actually think i have nebraska favored in that game without double checking Mm -hmm. um I, this is going to be a disaster. This pro, this program from where they were two years ago when they had like, they hit on every transfer they got like Kenneth Walker versus to where they are now. I mean, they just have no experience. There's just no experience here. Like I don't like Noah Kim. Um, I, I like the other two quarterbacks they have in that room more than him. And if he's outperforming them, then that tells me that those guys stink too. Yeah. It's a, it's a problem. I actually do. I think the best player on this offense is actually the UConn transfer, Nathan Carter. I think he's my favorite player. I think he's okay. was really good at UConn, but I don't like this offensive line all that much. I just, yeah, I I would play the under, but I, I I don't know. Maybe like an alt win total is the way to do it, and like just massively fade them at like plus money. Yeah, like four and a half plus one twenty or something. Yeah, I, like I think that I think off, that's an interesting way to go. Your your games that you should win, like that you almost wish, like. At Rutgers at Indiana, to get over this win total, you pr- you gotta win two. 
you probably got to win both of those to yeah. get over this win total because you're going to be underdogs home for Washington. Maryland will be a short spread game. At Iowa, you're going to be a big underdog. At Rutgers, you're, you're going to be favored, but you better win that one because you're home Michigan at Minnesota, home Nebraska. Again, short spread game at home. At Ohio State, you're going to lose that one. At Indiana and then Penn State, I there's not a lot of room, there's not a lot of wiggle room here. And again, no. Rutgers and Indiana on the road, that really hurts. And again, the market is shaded the way we see it. So I don't know if there's a play there, but Michigan State could be a, a punching bag. A team at the bottom of the conference that I think I'm going to be playing, maybe not in the win total market, but like game to game, I, I like what's going on here, is Purdue. They lose Jeff Brom. The win total is five and a half, shaded to the under, 120 to one to win the conference. I like what they did, though. Ryan Walters, new head coach. They bring in Graham Harrell to run the offense. Just give him the keys. And I know he's had mixed bag of results, but, I mean, he brings in Hudson Card. And say what you want about Hudson Card and that you know he couldn't really stick at Texas, but he was a high-level blue-chip recruit who has talent. For Big Ten standards, instantly has one of the higher ceilings outside of your big three, in my opinion. It could argue he might have the highest outside – the big three, Talia – and then maybe it's Hudson Card in terms of just ceiling. So I like what's going on here. Bring back 70% returning production here. Uh, Maccabee had nearly 1,000 yards rushing. Sheffield, almost 1,000 yards as a receiver. Got Adrian at FAU. He was an athletic guy. He had. Um, I like him a lot. Yeah, he had six touchdowns last year at FAU. Four offensive linemen are back. I know it's going to be a new system with the air raid, but Jeff Brom kind of ran a really pass-happy offense anyway, so I don't know if the transition is going to be that crazy. And I'll tell you what, I didn't really like Aiden O'Connell. I think Hudson Carr is an upgrade. So maybe it's not this year, but I like what's going on with the offense on Purdue. The defense, you're getting Ryan Walters, who just built a top 10 defense out of like one of the lowest you know you're talking just like pure roster strength Illinois hasn't been recruiting at a high level so I think you could see Walters maybe overachieve with the with the parts here I think the market's way down on Purdue I mean if you want to talk about like some guys back like Jenkins at linebacker he had four sacks um both safeties are back so the secondary won't be that bad I think this team might be a little bit better than expectations when you think like, oh, first first time head coach, new OC, a lot of trans, uh, transfer at quarterback. I like what Purdue's doing. The schedule isn't very easy by any means, and that's why I didn't play like a win total over. But I definitely envision some opportunities to get them at an underdog price, at a small spread price. I, I kind of like what what's going on in West Lafayette. Yeah, I think they're going to be a week-to-week play. I think that's a good way to put it, right? I, the schedule is not, not easy. No, it's not. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the tougher schedules I think in the country, just based on how it lines up. Um, five and a half is your number. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get there. I'm like, well, I think they could beat Virginia tech. I think they could beat Fresno state. They should beat Fresno state. They should be Northwestern, but you the got not like the non-cons tough. like those are three close. Uh, they're favored by, I think like a touchdown against Fresno state. Like, if they lose that one, like I think they're gonna win because I'm not crazy about Fresno State this year. But like I think they're gonna win that one. But like if they lost, I would like I wouldn't be like, oh, that's crazy. Like you know, it's within the realm of possibility. At Virginia Tech, I kind of like Purdue in that game. But like I, if they lost that one, I wouldn't be shocked. If they lose home for Syracuse, I wouldn't be that shocked. 
Yeah, that's the so that's the issue. <laughs> like, that, that's the real issue. Like, if they had an easy non-con where they could really like get off to like a three and zero start, like they play like an FCS team and they played a conference USA team, and then they played like a then they played Fresno State. Like, okay, I, I I could talk myself into Purdue getting off to a hot start. Win total wise, again, not sure I'm going to get there. I'll let you go through the conference schedule because I kind of cut you off. But like, that's a real issue with this win total is the the gimmies aren't there to really feel comfortable. I. I do think that you have to feel at least a little bit good that you're getting Indiana at home, Minnesota at home, mm-hmm. Illinois at home. Um, I don't think you, well, I don't think they beat Wisconsin. I, I think Wisconsin should, should beat them. But I mean, those are toss up games that you're getting at home. I don't want to, I just don't want to touch this win total because I could see this just not working at all year one. And I like Hudson Card too. I, I think he's like, there's no shame in losing the quarterback job to Quinn Ewers. Like that should, that's like not a, that's not an issue. Um, he came in last it. year and was like kind of fine. <laughs> like it wasn't, yeah. like, he was like, there wasn't that massive of a drop off. So I want to find a way to back Purdue, but like, I don't want really want to bet their win total. It's like, that's the, that's the issue that I'll have. So it, it'll probably be me backing them on a week to week basis. And I have them favored in that Fresno state game by over touchdown, but I don't feel good about it at all. Yeah. I have their win total at like five. 5.05 so like i guess like i technically shade towards the under but that's again there's so many toss-ups but like when you add like the context to what's going on around them i just yeah. i could see the upside here where maybe they sneak into a bowl game or something i think that would be a huge success for year one for sure with this team that's being looked at down again it's a team where i wish they had a much more like i wish they had like maryland schedule or something where like yeah. there's more games they could get especially in the non-conference but after Purdue, I think that this is where you see a serious drop, and we don't have to go like as deep as we've gone on all the other teams. But Rutgers, four and a half, minus one thirty to the under, two hundred to one to win the conference. This offense higher in Kirk Soroka, that's basically like, like, just stay. I don't. I like that's basically like <laughs> you basically sign your uh, death wish for me as like trusting this team because this was a team last year I actually kind of liked backing. Their defense was rock solid last year. They bring back a ton also on the defensive side. I'm probably going to be like backing unders with this team. The market will know that because their offense is going to be god awful. Uh, Gavin Winsat, he's their highest rated recruit. He ended up finishing the year. He's going to start. Um, and they really didn't do much to put stuff around him. And they gave him one of the worst offensive coordinators who somehow keeps getting jobs. It's like the Marcus Satterfield thing, but like three years ahead of schedule. Uh, <laughs> I just like don't. I just don't understand. So Rutgers, I the schedule, home Northwestern, which like he kind of kind of got a blessing from this guy because I kind of like Northwestern that game before all this stuff happened. Uh, you host Temple and you host Virginia Tech. You hope to get one of those. Wagner's a win, and then you're at Indiana. That's that's your other game. Like you're you're probably gonna get Michigan State at home, but like that's probably it. So Rutgers, probably an underplay. They probably went. Th- they they win three more than five for sure, I think. So uh, it's probably an under, but, like, I don't have much interest in anything here. Anything uh, to take away here? I imagine uh, anything fantasy football related here, Chris? <laughs> I, I kind of like the second year back, Samuel Brown. Um, I think he's all right. He was a pretty interesting recruit. Uh, yeah, defense, just I'm kind of in the same boat. I Like, I'll probably play under Michigan State, Virginia Tech. Like, the, like those games are going to be – gross um but yeah i defense is fine offense is gonna stink i don't know why they can't 
you're dude, like you're a power five school. You could get somebody better than Gavin Wimsett starting for you. Like I understand your Rutgers, but like Gavin Wimsett just like doesn't have it. He had it. Maybe he had it at one time. He was an early enrollee, <laughs> but like I, I just don't think he has he it anymore. He's the highest rated recruit at quarter or the highest rated quarterback recruit ever, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I I think reclassifying really hurt him for what it's worth, but. Mm-hmm. I like the kid they brought in, Johnny Shepard, this year. I think that he, if he gets starts at the end of the year, he's pretty athletic. He's a big dude. He's like 6'3", 235, 240. But, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking like, if this happens, maybe they'll get like a quarter of a win somewhere. Like, I, yeah. I, I just don't see it with this team this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I probably lean towards the under. Northwestern, Wintel got knocked down half a win because of all the Fitzgerald stuff. We don't need to get into that because just not worth talking about. But, uh I, there wasn't a high ceiling anyway for this team. I actually thought that they were going to be a little bit better than the market indicated. I was actually kind of in on them, depending. I wanted to wait and see what happened with the quarterback situation um, between Ben Bryan and uh, Sullivan. But now, after all this has happened, so many distractions, win total is three, minus 110 each way, 301 to win the conference. I, I liked Braun coming from North Dakota State. I thought that was a really good hire for their defense, yeah. even with a lot of transfers coming in. But now I just – there's – you don't know what's going to happen with this team. If I had to guess, I'd probably lean towards, like, the bottom complete – first of all, the bottom already has fallen out, but, like, they're probably going to find a way to be even worse this year. Um, ben Bryant's not that good. I kind of like Sullivan, the other transfer. Holinsky's terrible. Uh, they got Cam J- Johnson. He's on his third team, but he kind of gives them a weapon they haven't necessarily had. Um, defense maybe is going the right direction – maybe Northwestern wants to shoot for the stars with like a head coaching hire and like to really like move this program and like make a splashy name, but like Braun, maybe he earns the head coaching job. Cause he's the interim if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. Um, nothing really to write home about with Northwestern. This team is probably gonna be terrible again. I will say the schedule, you get UTEP at home and Howard at home at Rutgers at Duke maryland purdue at home like maybe you get to three four wins but i just you can't you don't know what's gonna happen this team is now like a combustible from a preseason perspective yeah i before it went to three and a half three i i played under three and a half um but i mean based on the news or did you play that uh, like earlier in the year i played it when the first report came out okay or like everything else like a this wasn't like a you took this like a month, like however yeah. ago, but like you did like your work on Northwestern. You're like, no, 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 this is an under team. Your sentiment changed based on the Fitzgerald stuff. Yeah. I mean, I project, I mean, I projected them for like 2.8 wins anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that like, that wasn't a huge edge. And mm. I mean, half a win's an edge, but like I could under, I understand like where they can slip up and not, sl- not slip up like that UTEP game, I think could be kind of tricky. Um, but yeah, once the Fitzgerald stuff came out, I was like, there's no way I'm back in this team. Cause I did, I already, I already did like this team. Um, I just don't like, I'm trying to find a place on this team where I think they're good. And like, yeah, I, agree with you. I, I, I don't see that. I don't think they have an edge anywhere. Yeah. I not going to argue with you one. I want to move on to Indiana though, before we wrap, cause Northwestern, I feel like there's not much to say. No. Indiana three and a half to win total minus one forty five to the over. 300 to one to win the conference offense was terrible, but they, they get this Tennessee transfer who I believe is going to start in Trayvon Jackson. He read, he didn't play last season. He redshirted. He was a four-star recruit. He's huge. He's like six, five. He's like a string bean, but he's like six, five. 
I'm curious, especially from like a fantasy football, because listen, it's Indiana. They're probably going to be terrible again. But did they maybe land something with Jackson, Chris? Because I know you're more in the weeds, player to player stuff. Can you see this team maybe turning it around and like we saw the bottom and now they're starting to go up? Or this is going to be like kind of the same thing as last year? Yeah. So Taven Jackson was a player that. Um, Taven Jackson. Sorry. I said his name. Yeah. He, I tend to say so, all these guys' names wrong. It's tough. It's, it's tough when there's like a billion players um, and they're all names are all like kind of similar. So we have a recruiting team um, at Camps Canton. They love Taven Jackson. I love Taven Jackson. I can see why. I mean, like the tape, I, I, I went back because when I was doing my work, I went back and watched. I was like, damn, they got a four star who was a four star recruit transfer. And I watched like one of like those like YouTube, like huddle like things yeah. in high school. And I was like, this kid could kind of play. I, yeah, I we see why we, he transferred, but yeah, once the once Nico Iamalieva committed, he was he was gone. But I mean, yeah. we really liked him. He's got four years of eligibility. I think that he, as long as he wins that job, they were like competing with Brandon Sorsby. Like, just play the kid, man. Like Brandon Sorsby yeah. is not not going to be the guy long term that helps your offense. I think David Jackson can. Um, if Cam Camper comes back healthy, you know he tore his ACL. I I that's pretty interesting. EJ Williams was a good player at Clemson that never really caught on. Um, I actually like the, the other transfer they brought in Dequeese Carter, a uh, kid from Fordham who was re- pretty productive there. I think that he could be interesting. Um, I actually think this offense is trending in the, a nice direction. They, they defensively made the right moves in the portal. They, yeah. they made the right moves in the portal. I mean, getting a handful of power five transfers. I, I'm, I like where this offense is going, but like you said, the defense is probably That's also full of transfers. Yeah. Which like, again, to me, these transfer teams, and I'm curious your like you how you reason through transfers, because to me, it just widens the tails, right? Like it could either be really good and it could click, or it could be really bad and it could fail and miserably. But when your win total is three and a half, and I'm not saying I'm betting Indiana over three and a half wins minus one forty-five, but when the expected outcome is so low, it pretty much can't get worse. So the tails have to go toward like the outcomes have to start pushing towards four five maybe not six but you know maybe it's a little bit more likely than if you were just running back your same team from last year so i for a team like indiana that's the exact team that should be taking shots in the portal trying to upgrade pretty fast especially because tom allen listen that dream was a 2020 season people are going to forget about that pretty quickly if you keep being this bad i know it's indiana and they've been bad forever but you got to start winning some games soon. So I like taking these shots. And I've said that throughout this conference preview series, you might, there might be some more unknowns and sometimes it benefits you to play on the unknowns. And, you know, if you fail, it's, you know, you're taking a shot and you're banking on the positive outcomes and sometimes it's the negatives. But for me, Tom Allen taking a shot here with Tavon Jackson and all these other power five transfers, I think is it's a worthwhile risk. It's calculated in my opinion. Yeah, I wish I could get better value on their their win total over. Um, and like, I projected for three and a half, so I'm right on the market. But again, I so I'm at, I'm at four four. But I but like I so I've done it both ways. I've said okay, what if this what if X Y Z works pretty well, and what if it doesn't? And like five point one, and then like three point two. I think was was the widest range of outcomes I could get to. <sighs> I would bet over three and a half if it was better odds, but like I I'm trying, I struggle to find the 
fifth win there, or like I I can understand where the fourth win is, but I think they could also lose to Akron. Like I projected jump forward for Akron this year, so you're looking so at that I. game and like. Go Zips, baby. Go Zips. <laughs> I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the fourth win. Um, and it's going to be a close game against like Michigan State upset to to get there. Yeah. And so that's that's the concern. I but I like I really like this team in the way that they could be heading. So. I, if they won five games or four games, it would not surprise me at all. I think this is an over team. I think this is a team that's going to be playing in some high-scoring affairs. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's the way to play this one because this defense didn't really like the defensive coordinator hire of uh, Guerrero from Tulsa. I The defense wasn't very good to begin with. So I think with an offense that might have some talent there, maybe they could push where they're putting up like – mid twenties and they're letting up in the high thirties. And then next thing you know, you're playing in the sixties. So yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think I'm, I'm glad we see a line on Indiana. Um, but yeah, that is our big 10 preview. Best bets time. I have, as of now, maybe we could discuss and we could come to terms on one, but I played two things here that are still pretty widely available. I played Penn state over nine and a half wins. That is minus minus one thirty-five at DraftKings right now. I'm looking right at it. Uh, this pod won't be posted for about a week or so. So maybe it's a little dated, but best we could do here. Uh, nine and a half minus 135. And then Illinois under six and a half at minus 105. That's also available at DraftKings. Um, and when the pod is posted, I will add it to the Google sheet, which I will attach to the bottom of the pod. And hopefully the odds stay the same widely available in the market. Chris, you've been a great guest. I really appreciate you coming on. Any bets that you want to give out anything you like i know you gave out some game of the years anything you want to share anything we might have missed fantasy football all you so uh, the game of the year the big one for me is i want to back penn state 10 and a half versus ohio state i just think that numbers should be closer to seven um potentially less than seven so if we can uh I don't think alt lines are out yet maybe on all shores um <laughs> but I, I love that one um i'm also on penn state over in illinois under i i am I, I think those are probably two best values and i mean yeah you're 135 but i don't see that third loss on penn state state schedule like i just don't i just don't know where it's coming from they're just so that much better than all the other teams they're playing um those and then I mean, it's more of a long shot, and I, I've kind of talked about it a little bit, but I, I do have Minnesota winning the West at six to one. Um, I just, it's my fade. Just Wisconsin them, or West. are you are you spreading the love a little bit? So, so I've played them, and I've played uh, Iowa plus two forty. Okay. So I, I, I would not play Illinois. I, I, so I get plus six fifty actually on Minnesota, but Illinois six hundred. I, I don't think they're going to do it. And if I think Wisconsin isn't going to be year one of the dairy raid that I think Iowa, Minnesota makes sense there. I, I agree. I think that's why instead of like the win total under, I agree taking shots against them. I agree. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. You crush it. You and all the campus to cannon guys have been killing it. You can follow his work on Twitter at Chris Moxley 19 this year, big 10 preview. Chris, we got to have you on during the season, man. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your summer and Conference preview still rolling on, so make sure you're liking, subscribing to all this work. And we're like about a month away until college football season. It's coming up real fast. Can't wait to finish up conference previews, get to our week zero previews, week one previews. Chris, man, talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me.